There once was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with the citizen there, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, All these farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am, starving to death. I'm going back to my father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stomped off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jamie Dickens, and I am the lead pastor of East Cobb Church. It's so great to see all of you here today. Happy week of Thanksgiving. Uh, quick question before we get started. Is anybody in the room just like willing to admit that you are prone to get lost? Anybody in the room like, yeah, you just get lost. You have a, you have a tendency to just get turned around when, you know, wherever you might be going. Like the days before Google Maps, when you had to have real maps or had to print out directions from MapQuest, they were really hard for you. You know, you'd be on a, you know, going somewhere or on a road trip and then all of a sudden realize, oh no, I'm lost, right? And that's kind of a big deal because being lost is kind of scary. And the longer you're lost without realizing it, you know, the worse it gets. An example of that would be this. I used to live as a missionary 
in a foreign country uh, for a couple of years. It's called Moldova. I actually have a picture of Moldova. Yeah, yeah, I got some of my friends in the house. Um, so Moldova is between Romania and the Ukraine. Um, maybe it'll come up eventually. Uh, and there's uh, this, uh, anyway, you'll see. And so we were out, and one of the things we were doing, out in the villages, bringing like Bibles and supplies and things to people in need. And um, we were going from one village to the next, and we're on the way, and I suddenly I realized I think we should have been there by now, but um, we were uh, listening to the radio and I just didn't really pay it any attention. So um, time passes and then after a while, the landscape starts to change a little bit and all of a sudden we come up to a military checkpoint and I'm like, what is happening here? And this big, scary Russian man with an AK-47 walks up to the side of my car and in Russian, he says, give me your passport, please. And uh, I hand him my passport and then in English, he goes, what makes you think you can come in my country? We had accidentally uh, wandered into, I don't know if you can put the map up here if this TV's working, we're gonna need it a little later. Um, uh, we had accidentally wandered into this area of Moldova called Transnistria. And uh, the only thing you need to know about Transnistria is that it has a standing declaration of war against Moldova. And this, uh, this Russian guy did not like Americans. I was freaking out. But lucky for me, you know what he did like? American dollars, so praise Jesus. Uh, everything worked out. But uh, it really just points out the, the simple truth that uh, um, being lost is scary. All right. Yeah. Somebody at the TV's not working. Maybe we can come figure it out. Otherwise, um, I will, I'll be fine. Maybe somebody can throw me a Bible. Um, God's like, ha, you need to have it with you. Um, being lost is scary, but uh, being lost and not knowing it, that's dangerous, right? We're in the middle of a series called Prodigals, and it's uh, three weeks all about this one story told by Jesus in the Bible called the prodigal, or we call the prodigal son. That word just means excessive and wasteful. Uh, it's found in chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, the historian. And, and y'all, for real, it is, it is one of the most famous short stories in all of human history because it has impacted almost the entire, entire world's view of God in some way, the entire world's view of, of what God is like and, and who he likes. And Jesus tells this story, he told this story in response to a time, in response to a time um, when these religious leaders, the religious leaders of his day, they asked him, hey, why is it that you hang out with sinners so much? Why is it you always seem to hang out with the wrong people? And it was in response to this challenge or this question that Jesus told a series of three parallel stories. And they're all about lost things. Like Jesus tells a parable of the lost sheep, the story of a lost sheep and how the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep, goes out in the wilderness just to find the one lost sheep. He tells a parable of the lost coin and how this woman puts the nine coins away, sweeps the house just so she can find the one coin. But then he caps off the whole thing and turns out this is his whole point. He caps off the whole thing telling a story of two sons, a story with the rather offensive implication that uh, people like sheep and coins tend to get lost kind of undeniable. People tend to get lost. People tend to also need to be in need of finding. And Jesus told this story, not just so that we would listen to it, but as we talked about at length last week, he told it so that we would find ourselves in it. That was the whole point. And the overarching, really scandalous 
moral of the story was simply this, that God does have a type. We talked about this last week. God does have a type. He does have a kind of person that he pays special attention to, that he gives special time to, who, whom his heart, to whom his heart goes out the most, but it's not found people. It's lost people. It's lost people. The God loves lost people. God loves prodigals. And today my goal is simply to dive a little deeper into this story, to uh, dive deeper into finding ourselves in it. And I want to do that simply by examining this phrase right here. I want to dive into the phrase, this concept of lost people. Like, what's up with that phrase? Because on one hand, it, it is a little offensive. I mean, not going to lie. I, can you imagine calling somebody that like in person to their face? You know, if we're talking about Peter Pan and it's the lost boys, like I'm cool with it. But if not, don't call me that, you know, like we're going to have, we're going to have a problem if you're calling me that. Uh, not only is it a little offensive, but it's also a little confusing because, you know, the younger brother, the younger son in this story is a fictitious character, but it's really clear that Jesus is using these characters to talk about real people, which, you know, begs the question, like, who's he talking about here? Who is, who is he talking about? Who is, who is lost people? Is it you? Is it me? Is it somebody else? How do you know who he's referring to? And that's what I want to talk about today. That's like the part of the story that I want to like, whoop, you know, zoom in on and focus on. Why? Well, because being lost is scary. But being lost and not knowing it, it's dangerous. And it's true of driving around Moldova. <laughs> uh, but it's even more true of your life. It's even more true of my life, right? Like it's scary to realize that you don't have the right plan in life or you don't have the right priorities in life or you don't have the right direction in life or values in life or safeguards in life or investments in life or relationships or that you're not on the right track in your career in life or right track for your future in life. Scary to realize you're not on the right track with God in your life. I mean, that's scary, but it is dangerous to think that you have those things when in fact you don't. You know, being lost is scary, but being lost and not knowing it is, um, is dangerous and that's why this, this question is important. What is Jesus referring to? Who is he actually talking about? And here's the brilliant thing about this story that Jesus told. We all, almost all of us immediately assume he's talking about who? Someone else. Yeah. You know, that's why the story doesn't bother us that much. Cause like very few of us are sitting there and going like, Oh, that's me. I'm a hot mess. You know, this, I'm the, I'm what the story is about. You know, most of us, we immediately think of somebody else, some other category of people, some other other obviously worse category of, of people. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's who Jesus is talking about in the story. And, and, and listen, one of the most profound and one of the most offensive things that Jesus is trying to say to his audience, and I believe to us this morning, through this story, is my friends, it's highly likely that you're more lost than you think. It's highly likely that more of you are lost than you think, than you realize that more of you are lost when it comes to your life and lost when it comes to God. Lost when it comes to God. And that's why I think you should lean in this morning. That's why I think you should like consider this story. I mean, regardless of where you are on faith and Jesus and Christianity, uh, this is why I think you should like think about what we're talking about today because what if he's right? What if he's right? What if, what if this category right here, what if it's bigger than we think? What if there are more of us in it than we think? How do you know if you're lost, and what do you do if you start to suspect that you are? All of those answers are in this one little short story. It's amazing. So let's read it one more time. 
Uh, and let's just kind of start and pick back up with uh, the beginning of the story. And, and here, here's the story. Jesus continued, um, and this is after he's told those two stories that I referred to. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Uh, the younger one said to his father, this is the younger son, hey, father, give me. I want something. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, a euphemism for as far away as he possibly could go, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out of desperation. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed, I mean, he's starving. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. It's the younger son. And this younger son is lost through rebellion. That's how this younger son is lost in this story. He's lost through rebellion. The household in ancient culture and Jewish culture is a really big idea. Like you didn't just live in your father's house, like his physical house. No, you lived and everybody lived under the, the household of the father in, in this culture. And that was a really big deal. It was a way of centralizing protection and prosperity and provision and uh, you know, influence and power. It's a way of growing the family and multiplying the assets of the entire household. So this was a really powerful and a really good thing. Uh, and when you lived under the household of your father, uh, as long as you were there, he was in charge, right? You not only were living under his provision and his protection, but you were living under his leadership and his authority and under his house rules. You know, we, we identify with a lot of that, but I mean, it was way more so that way then, you know, than it is now. Obviously, different culture, different time. And what was so absolutely morally repugnant to this Jewish audience that Jesus was telling this story to was the audacity and the vulgarity and the foolishness and literally the moral bankruptcy that this younger son had to have to ask his dad this. We talked about this last week, that this was the same as saying, when he said, give me my inheritance, it was the same as saying, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. In fact, dad, you are dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you. I just want your stuff. So hey, sell the herds, liquidate the real estate, give me my portion and I will be on my way. When you left this way, you were divorcing your family. You were leaving and you were never coming back. And you couldn't come back because at this point, this younger son would be dead to the household and dead to everybody. And, and we're talking about this a little next week, dead to the entire town as well. This story would have been slightly less offensive. It had been about a son killing his dad. I mean, this is how shameful and awful this decision was and how bad they viewed it. But this is how this younger son became lost. He rebelled against his father and he left his household. He, he traded life in the house for life outside the house. He traded life with the father for life without the father. He traded life under the father's authority and protection and provision for life under his own authority and his own protection and his own provision. It's a simple decision. One that we all not only understand, I think a lot of us maybe even identify with but that's the decision he makes. He, he leaves home and uh, he runs towards the life that he's dreaming of, that he cannot wait to have. Uh, he leaves home and he runs to the party. Jesus called it wild living. <laughs> Just filling all the blanks there. Wild living, you know? And uh, this is what makes him lost. And this is important. According to Jesus, this is what makes anyone lost. 
This is what makes anyone lost. This is, this is huge. What Jesus is doing here through this story is giving us a succinct, easy to understand, hard to confuse, um, and really easy to diagnose definition of sin. And this is going to be so helpful to some of you. This was really helpful to me in clearing up some of my confusion around this topic. Uh, Jesus is giving us a really clear, easy way to diagnose and define like what is sin. That sin is running away from home. If you've at any point been confused, like, wait, what is sin? Why is it sin? Like, what's going on here? Just start here. It really is that simple. You were made by your heavenly father for your heavenly father to be in a relationship with your heavenly father, to live under the household, under the the leadership and the provision and the protection and the guidance of your heavenly father. And sin, being lost, it happens when we run away from home. When you run away from your father. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, and I would be thinking this too. It's like, wait a minute. I thought sin was like behavioral. You know, I thought it was like, stuff that I do and don't do and like ways that I treat people. And yeah, it is, it is, it's that. But like one thing follows the other, right? When you live in the household of the father, you live by his rules, by his house rules. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. Do what's best for your neighbor. Love yourself. Do what's best for yourself. When you leave the house, you live by your own rules or you live according to no rules, but that's just a symptom. One's a symptom of the other. That's just a a result of a far more fundamental thing. It's a symptom of whose house you're living in. The sin and the the, the kind of lostness that Jesus is talking about here is not behavioral. You know, like, oh man, you're so wild and you're like so crazy. You are too far gone. No, the, the kind of lostness that Jesus is talking about here is relational. It's relational. It's running away. It's any, any step away from your heavenly father. It's any venture, any decision, any strategy, any way of living or way of treating people or way of acting, any season of your life lived away from home, lived away from and in rebellion, you know, against your heavenly father. It's any season of your life or part of your life where you make the same trade that this younger son made. I believe the prophet Jeremiah really captures it really well. This is one of my one of those clarifying verses for me as I was trying to figure out faith and my whole relationship with God. But I think he captures this idea really well. When uh, he writes this, this is him relaying the words of God, right? So God spoke to him. He's like, here's what God said. God said, my people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Living water is running water, flowing water. Think a stream, think a river. That's number one. But number two sin is they have dug their own cisterns. That's exactly what this younger son did. He's like, hey dad, I no longer need you. The source that I have been drawing on for protection and for provision and for leadership and for guidance, I'm going to go dig my own cisterns. I'm going to go build my life around some other wells. And he does. And at first it seems awesome and it seems great. He's like, lost son, I don't know what y'all talking about. I don't know why you're calling that the name of the story. I'm found, baby. This is the life that I've been dreaming of. Let's go, you know, and it's going great. Uh, Except for one small little problem. Jeremiah tells us there is something that is true of the cisterns we tend to dig. Uh, God says, you've dug your own cisterns, but they're broken cisterns. And they cannot hold water. 
I was trying to think like a modern way of explaining this water thing. And uh, I really think it's like this water bottle right here. I've um, been drinking it this morning, trying to stay hydrated for my talk. Um, this water bottle is great. It's doing its job. Very happy with it. But there is one thing that's true of this water bottle. Eventually, it's going to what? Yeah, empty. It's going to run out. Which is why, I mean, this is so obvious, but this is why your water plan for like your house or your life, it's not like, it's more than just like a water bottle, right? You like instinctively understand that you need a, uh, a source of water that uh, is a lot more permanent, that is a lot more consistent. Uh, you, you instinctively understand, oh, it fell on the ground, um, that you need a, a water source that's a lot more like this right here, you know? Because if this hose were connected, it's not. Uh, and if we were to turn it on, the water would flow and it would not stop flowing. It would just flow and flow and flow and flow and flow. And you could fill this water bottle. I could fill all y'all's water bottles. And then we're going to have a water problem in the gym. And, you know, that's not going to be good. You instinctively understand this. And this is the difference that he's talking about here. The difference between a spring of living water and a broken cistern. One is constantly flowing and constantly filling. And the other is constantly leaking and constantly running out. That's the difference. And God is saying, hey, my people, my sons and my daughters, this is what they have a tendency of doing. They just have this tendency of dropping the hose and picking up the water bottle in life. Like my people, my sons and daughters, they have a tendency of forsaking and running away from this and then running towards these things in life. And the tragedy of it is that they do so without realizing it's broken. They do so without realizing it's not going to deliver. They do so without realizing the disappointment and the disillusionment and how unfulfilling it's going to be when it runs out. When it runs out. And that's exactly what happens in this story. I mean, if you just notice, the younger brother, uh, he goes from home. He runs to the party. At some point, the party runs out. The party just ran out. I mean, great while it lasted, but the party ran out. And then he finds himself in the pig pen. He finds himself in the pig pen, like in the mud and in the muck, starving and thinking about home. That's exactly what happens to him. And you know what? The same thing that happens to him, man, it's happened to all of us in one way or another. You've lived long enough to have experienced this. You've lived long enough to have experienced this. You've, you've lived long enough to have your fair share of broken cisterns, right? I mean, I have. I know you have. Things that you were so sure were going to fulfill you. You were so sure they're going to satisfy you, but they didn't. Like maybe it was a career or a relationship or an asset or an experience or some combination of all of those things. And you were so sure, man, this is what I'm looking for. But it wasn't. You've experienced this. And it's not just you, though. And it's not just us. This is all over our culture. I mean, just start paying attention, even to really successful people. In fact, you remember that kind of famous interview with Tom Brady, uh, where somebody asked him about his life and everything, like at the peak, you know, supermodel wife, Super Bowl winner, I mean, astronomical wealth. And his response was, man, I got to the point where I'm just thinking like, is this it? Quote, there's got to be more than this, Right? I mean, even Tom Brady has broken cisterns. And that's uh, something we've all experienced. And Jesus is like really profound and I think really offensive claim that I think he wants to interrupt our morning with, maybe interrupt our lives with today, is simply that this is true of everything in this world. It's true of everything in this world. 
everything. It doesn't matter how good it gets and how many of these you manage to stack up in your life. It is never going to fully and finally satisfy you. Never. Life outside the home, life away from your heavenly father is always, 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 always going to eventually run dry. It's always going to end up there in the pig pen. By comparison, to the life and the love and the peace and the purpose and the plan that God has for you back at home, it's always going to feel and be like a pig pen. So, how do you know you're lost? Well, the answer is really simple. You're lost if you're living here. If you are living, go to the next slide, please. If you're living outside the home, if you're living in that blank space there, you're You're lost if you're living outside the home of your heavenly father. And we have all of us been there. All of us. I've been been there. And in the event that you are there right now, I just want you to know that there is a standing invitation from God to come home. To come home. God hadn't given up on you. He still wants you. And right now he's calling you, come home. And that's exactly what happens to this kid. The, the story, as Jesus tells it, Jesus says, he, he, at one point he comes to his senses. That's what it says. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death. I will set out and I'm going to go back to my father. And so he makes this plan, he makes this whole speech and this apology, and he sets out for home. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. I'm going to focus on that next week. But uh, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Son starts his apology. Dad, dad, sorry, sorry. And the dad interrupts him. Won't even let him finish. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Why? Oh, sorry, let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And y'all, that is the invitation for so many of us today. So many of us, that's the invitation for us today. That we would uh, come to our senses and we would come home. Come to your senses and come home. Some of us, it's out of desperation today because you're here, right? In that progression, you're like, man, I'm in the pig pen. Party's over. And you're stuck in the mud and you are in the muck and you're in like the slop of life and you are starving for joy. You are starving for meaning. You are starving for purpose. You are starving for love. You are like literally you're starving for deliverance, for, for, for a hope and a future. And when one of my biggest hopes of today is that the voice of your heavenly father would just pierce through like the mud and the muck and the desperation and the darkness and call you home today. Come home. The heavenly father is still hoping for you. He is still looking for you. He is even like right now preparing a place for you. And my hope is that right here, right now, you would decide to get up and go home and spend the rest of your days belonging to and living under the provision and the protection and the leadership of your heavenly father. If you are feeling the desperation of the pig pen, I got good news for you today. 
Home is waiting. So let's go. Some of us need to get up and come to our senses and go home out of desperation, but others of us, and this may be even more of us, um, we need to come home out of discernment, not desperation, because you're not desperate, right? Like, you're not in the pig pen. No, in your life, you're still here in the middle. Party's still going on for you. And that's great. Look, I, I love it. But I mean, I just got to tell you, in our culture, it is really easy to keep the party going on indefinitely. That is so easy. Our culture is so rich and so distracted and so medicated. And the, our broken cisterns are so numerous that, man, you can stay a long time in the party. But I just want to suggest to you, if Jesus is right, the destination is the same. This trajectory is the same. And I think we know that. I mean, like deep down, I think we suspect that all of us, like you've probably already seen some cracks in the veneer, some wobbles, you know, on the wheels of your life, heard some DJ scratches in the ongoing party, you know? And I guess my hope for you is that you just pay attention to that, that you would have a discerning eye to see where it's going. And that maybe just maybe you'd believe Jesus when he says, no matter how good you have it now, what God has for you is better. It's better that he has a version of your life. He has a version of your future. He has a version of your eternity that doesn't necessarily mean the dismantling of what you have, but the redemption of it, the restoration of it, the resubmission of it to his, his leadership and his power and his creativity. Man, God has something better for you. And right here, right now, he is inviting you to have a discerning eye. And come home. You don't have to wait for the pig pen. Come home. Come on, that's the invitation for so many of us today. Come to our senses. Come on. We have a big word for it, a Bible word. Jesus uses it in these series of stories. If you've read it yourself, you, you may have seen it. Maybe you're like, huh, what does that mean? Um, but it's this word right here. Jesus is inviting us to repent. That's the word, repent. I know some of you are like, oh no, scary church word. Got PTSD with that one. Um, Someone may have used it incorrectly to you, and I'm sorry if they did. Uh, here's what this word means. It's actually pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. Uh, repent means to change your mind and change your direction. That's it. Repent means to change your mind and change your direction. Uh, think about the younger brother. You instantly get it. Like, hey, I've been going one direction. I have been living one direction, but I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to head back. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to go back home. That's what it means to Repent. And did you know that that is why Jesus came? That's why Jesus came. Jesus is God in the flesh coming to track us down and tell us to turn around and come home. Jesus is God in the flesh coming to make it possible, coming to make a way for us to come home. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him enough to change their mind, trusts him enough to change their mind, and here it is, will not be lost. Will not be lost, will not perish, but will have everlasting, eternal life. Life with their father. Jesus came, Jesus came for this, to invite us, to call us to repent and come home. So, where are you currently living? And do you need to, do you want to come home? Because you can, you can.
you should. Because life with your heavenly father is just better. It's better. He is, he is the spring of living water that you were created for. And everything else, everything else, it's only ever going to be a broken cistern. So maybe you need to come home. And I could end there. Maybe you're like, sweet, we're getting on early. One more minute. I could end there. Um, but that's actually not the whole story. Uh, we call this parable, we do, you know, colloquially. We call it the prodigal son and we call it the lost son. But Jesus didn't call it that. Jesus called it, said a man had two sons. Because um, there are two lost sons in this story. There are two lost sons in this story, actually. One of them's really obvious and one of them's not obvious. One of them is lost and he knows it. We've been talking about him. But the other is lost and has no idea. One is lost, here's what's interesting, because of his bad deeds. But the second is lost because of his good deeds. And so I want to read the final lines of Jesus' story here one more time as we close out our time together and before we close out our time together. And uh, let's look at the second son for just a second. He says, the older brother. Hey, there's another character in this story. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, 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 come on, man. All these years I have been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not brother of mine, when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed a fattened calf for him? Father, I imagine trying to embrace him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. Don't miss the parallels here. This is all on purpose. Jesus is so good at this. I mean, he's God. I wish I was as good. But don't miss the parallels. You know, the younger brother ran away from home and is separated from the father. The older brother stayed home and is separated from the father. Not wild? The younger brother wanted the father's stuff more than he wanted the father. But in his own way, the older brother wanted the father's stuff more than he wanted the father. You never gave me. The younger brother... He ran away from home. He, he, he uh, rebelled to get what he wanted. The older brother obeyed to get what he wanted. The younger brother needed the father to run out, meet him and take him home. The older brother needed the father to come out and bring him back inside. There are two lost sons in this story. And while so many of us have a younger brother story, many of us are actually currently living in an older brother one. For many of us, for as long as we can remember, we have been working for God. I've been slaving for you. We've been working for God, doing the right thing, doing the religious thing. And our expectation is the same as his. Our expectation is that as a result, we are going to get God's stuff. And we're going to get it more than the average next guy, you know, the other person next to us. We're going to get God's blessing, his provision, his protection, and his yes to our prayers. We have a religion, but not a relationship. I'm not saying religion's bad. No, religion's fine. Religion's good. But Jesus didn't come and down a cross and rise from the dead to give you a religion with your heavenly father. He came to give you a relationship with your heavenly father. And yet, so many of us, and I'm right here with you, so many of us 
are just like the older son, just like this older brother in that for like as long as we can remember most of our lives, we have been, get, listen, we have been in an ongoing religious transaction with our heavenly father. And so we have all the form of our faith. I mean, we live in the house every Sunday, every morning in our quiet time. We have all the form of our faith, but we got none of the fullness. We got none of the fullness. And it's why we alternate between being confident and insecure in our relationship with God. It's why we waffle between self-righteousness and self-condemnation. It's why we spend so much time comparing ourselves with and, and judging other people. And here's what we do. That's what you see in the story. Here's what we do. We end up passing on our insecurity about where we stand with God to the people around us, especially to the younger brothers around us because we judge them and we push them away from the house. Like we're not living in the grace of God. We're not living in the gospel of Jesus. So we have a really hard time inviting other people into it with us. And I believe that God wants to have the same moment with us today that that father had with his older son. You know, because we're, we're living in the house, okay? You know, we're living in the house with the spring of living water. Spigots turned on and we're living in the house with the spring of living water. And we're like, God, please, God, please, God, please. Give me, give me, give me, give me. God, look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. And in my imagination, I think God likes, wants to grab us by the face and go, everything I have is yours. I, through Jesus, I've already given you everything that I have. Your relationship with me has nothing to do with your work. It is all by grace. It is by grace you have been saved, says Paul. Through faith, this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, not by works, not by works. You don't obey to get me to love you. You obey because I already do. And I know what's best for you and I want the world for you. Oh man, my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians, are you currently working for something that God has already given you? Something that Jesus has already secured for you? Are you in a religion with your heavenly father? I'm gonna be honest, this is one of the biggest temptations currently for me in my own relationship with God. I mean, I just tend to slip back into thinking that I gotta earn and perform and work for what God has already given me. And every time that I do, every season of my life that I live this way, this is, and watch this, this is what happens to me. And I, this is so important. Every time I do this kind of thinking, it pushes me like out on the porch. That's why I imagine the older brother went to sulk. It pushes me out on the porch, away from intimacy with my heavenly father. And it pushes me out of the party, away from his mission to seek and save that which is lost. And man, I think we got to repent. We gotta repent and go inside. We have to repent, not of our unrighteousness. We have to repent of our self-righteousness. And we gotta embrace or re-embrace the gospel, the good news that the only reason I'm here, the only reason I am here is because of Jesus. The only reason I'm here is because of Jesus. God made him who had no sin, Paul writes, to be sin for me, for us, that I might become the righteousness of God. Man, I don't have self-righteousness. No, the only thing I've got is Jesus' righteousness. That's all I got. I got Jesus' righteousness. So you know what? I can stop trying to earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it. And I can just start enjoying it. Y'all, if the good news is stop being good news, this is why right here. This is why. 
and we need to repent and go home. We need to repent of our self-righteous deeds and go home to the grace of our heavenly father. Everything he has is yours through Jesus. So let's repent and come home. Repent and come home. Why? So that you can enjoy your heavenly father and you can join him in his mission to bring other kids home. We never will unless we repent and come home and come inside. So, you want to find ourselves in the story? That's it. We're lost. We're at least here in the story. All of us in one way or another have or are, have been lost. I mean, whether it's because we ran away from home and we missed out on the father or because we stayed at home and we just missed the father. In one way or another, that's where we are in the story. And, and yet the invitation is the same to all of us. Repent and come home. Repent and come home. Listen, repentance isn't required for God to love you. No, he loves, oh my goodness, he loves you so much. You are so valuable to him. But repentance is required for a relationship, Right? If you want to experience the relationship that God wants to have with you and the life that he has for you, then you're going to have to leave the pig pen and get off the porch and come home. And you can, because Jesus says you can. You can because Jesus says you can. He is personally inviting you home. He has personally come to make a way for you home, to make it possible for you to come home. How? We're going to talk about that next week. But I think the prophet Isaiah says it pretty good. We all like sheep have gone astray, all gotten lost. And each of us has turned to our own way, broken cisterns. And so to rescue us, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You don't have to pay your way back. You don't have to pave your way back. It has already been paid and it has already been paid by Jesus who came and lived and died for your sins and rose from the dead so that he could personally say, hey, come home, come home. And so before I close, and before we end, I just wanted to give you a chance to do that this morning, to come home. Like right here, right now, why leave? So I'm gonna close with a prayer and it's gonna be a prayer of repentance. I wanna pray a prayer of repentance. And I'm gonna give you some words that in your heart, right where you are, you can just pray to God today. Come home. And so if you feel comfortable, I'd love to invite maybe everybody to close their eyes. You don't have to, it's okay. Um, But get in whatever position is comfortable for you, whatever posture is comfortable for you to pray. And I'm gonna give you some words to pray. And if this is you today and you're like, man, it's time for me to repent and come home. I really wanna do that. Then this is your moment right here. I just wanna give you some words to say right where you are with your heavenly father. So like if today you're sitting there and you're realizing I'm the younger brother. (laughs) I'm the younger son in this story. I ran away from home. And you would like to come home? You would like to bring your life and everything you have back home to your heavenly father and put it in his hands? Then right here, right now, I would love to invite you just to say to him in your heart, just say to him, hey, father, I want to repent and come home. Tell him that. I want to repent and come home. I want to put my life, I want to put my eternity in your hands. I want to put it back in your hands. Just tell him that. I want to repent and come home. 
Or maybe there's some of us who are Christians in the room that you didn't think you were the younger brother, but you're like, maybe I am. Cause yeah, you live in the house, but you know, you've taken some vacations. You know what I mean? <laughs> out of the house. Like you have an area of your life or a decision in your life that you are keeping outside of God's house. And today you're like, I want to bring it back home. I want to bring it back into alignment with my heavenly father. Then you too, just, just tell him right now, God, I want to repent and come home. I want to bring this area of my life back home to you. I want to put it back in your hands. I trust you. Just tell him that. I want to put this back in your hands. I don't want, you know, a percentage of what you have for me. I want all of it. I want 100% of the life you have for me. So God, help me. Help me take this back home to you. Tell him that right now. Or finally, some of you, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, oh shoot, I'm totally the older brother. And like, you've been living way more in a religion with your heavenly father than you have a relationship and you want to repent and come home to his grace so that you can enjoy him and you can join him. And I just want to invite you right here, right now, just tell him the same thing. Father, I want to repent and come home. Tell him that right now. I want to repent and come home. God, I want to repent of my self-righteousness and just stand on Jesus's righteousness. Help me do that. Help me to come inside and join you. Tell him that right now. Heavenly Father, uh, many of us right now, from wherever we are, we're saying to you today, we wanna repent and come home. So would you help us do that? Thank you so much for not giving up on us. Thank you so much for, you never stopped looking for us. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you have made a way for us to come home. And so that's what we're doing today. We're from wherever we are. We've been running one direction, but we're gonna repent, change our direction. And we're gonna, we're gonna head back home. We're heading back home. We're running back to you. And thank you, thank you, thank you for this amazing parable that so vividly reminds us that you are waiting with open arms that long before we ever started running, you were already running our direction. So we're coming home. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.